Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Taniguzzi with Edmonton's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network. Joining me today is Nicole Matos, who is president of the Rivet Group of Companies and founder of Uni. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Nicole. Hi, Mario. Thank you for having me. All right, let's talk about both. Uh, you're a busy lady, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Let's talk about both uh, entities, and we'll start with Rivet. Uh, tell me a little bit about Rivet and what it does, and uh, you know uh, when it started and how it started. Uh, yeah, so Rivet is a commercial construction company. So we started, um, or I started Rivet back in 2009. Uh, so we're a commercial construction company operating in Western Canada. Uh, we originally started in the Edmonton region, um, and we offer commercial construction, so operating, like doing uh, tenant improvements, so developing office interiors, restaurants, medical offices, um, and also like building full buildings as well. Um, and then as we progressed further along, we also started offering interior design services, so doing construction drawings, um, interior design services for construction commercial construction. Yeah. And then last year we acquired another company. So we also have a division doing um, commercial preventative maintenance. Um, and then as the years progressed on, we started offering um, services across Western Canada. So Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. All right. Super. And uh, Uni, tell me what Uni is. Yes. I see the, I see it in your little banner behind you. <laughs> yes. My new little, um, my new little, favorite little brainchild here. <laughs> um, so Uni, um, I started during uh, COVID when I was having some less projects going on with Rivet. Um, so it is a local food marketplace. Uh, so it's like an online farmer's market. Um, so if you've ever been on Etsy, um, it's similar to Etsy where uh, it's a marketplace where people can have their own little shops on there, but it's all um, Canadian or locally produced food products. So a place where you can replace your typical grocery shopping you would do at a grocery store, um, but with like a farmer's market type quality and authenticity that you would get at a farmer's market. All right, super. Um, I want to go back uh, and ask you a couple of questions about Rivet. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, obviously, uh, it's kind of an industry that, you know, to be honest, it's uh, not uh, heavily focused on uh, on females leading it, right? Uh, there yeah. are a few here and there. Uh, how does a, a, a you know a woman get involved in a construction industry, and why? Yeah, it's definitely you, you know you're starting to hear a little bit more about like women in trades, um, yeah. so you're starting to see a little bit more women in construction. Um, but you definitely don't hear about women in leadership. That's for yeah. certain. They're very sparsely um, found. Um, yeah, I, I was originally actually a project manager, actually started actually in retail. Um, and then I got into project management with the federal government um, in non-construction. I was doing census, um, but I I refer to it as my Aaron Brockovich day. Um, so um, better clothing, better, uh, better language, um, but kind of that whole like spirit of like, I wanted to change what I was doing. I had an interest, you know, living in Alberta, I saw the construction industry booming and I had been doing like flipping some houses um, mm. at the time. I, I was like 19 years old. I just really had an interest in that, wow. in that industry though. Um, interestingly enough, my brother was running a bakery <laughs> and I was interested in construction. So we just kind of had some role reversal, <laughs> excuse me. So um, yeah, so 
Um, I really wanted to get in construction. So I kind of mapped out places around my house and went to the first place I went to. And I just went there and I said, you know, I want to work in construction. These are how my skills will transfer over. And the first place I went to, I was hired. Um, and that's kind of how it started. So I, you know, was lucky to get on as a project manager in construction at that time mm -hmm. um, and gained some experience there and took some schooling while I was working. And um, yeah, and that's how it started. And then when we had a recession, um, you know, everybody in the company was laid off. And during that time, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity to um, start my own thing. Um, and that's when Rivet started was um, when I was laid off, actually. And that's when I started doing projects on my own um, as Rivet and kind of started growing from there. And yeah, yeah. that was where it began. I imagine you, you probably initially, uh, when starting up, faced a lot of barriers because you're a woman in the male-dominated industry. Is that? Oh, definitely. I like women and I'm Indigenous. So, I mean, like, check a few boxes for sure there, right? Um, definitely. I mean, when I first started off, I, I was lucky at first because I had um, a few, like, really good contacts and things. Um, and so I had a few um, customers come to me and they found out I was doing stuff on my own. And so, you know, our first year we had a few really good contracts and it was great. Um, but I went out on my own in 2009. In 2010, I had my second child. Um, and so, you know, doing, you know, I remember answering client calls from my garage, trying to act like I was like, you know, one of the big wigs, you know, in a office tower. But really, I was in my garage with a crying baby inside, <laughs> trying to act like I was, you know, bigger than I was. Um, but then, you know, running a business in that way, um, you know, I could only kind of maintain the customers I had. I, trying to build more customers was hard. So I kind of had a decline in business. And trying to re-break in again was really hard because most of the business was done like on golf courses and over beers and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I had to, you know, I could have, I mean, you can sit there and whine about it and complain about it, <laughs> or you can decide to, you know, I just decided to do something in a different way. Um, and that's when we decided to add design. And so my thought was, you know, instead of complaining about it, I decided to just do it instead of going after customers from the leasing agents and things like that, yeah. I decided, well, I'll get customers at the design stage and then I get them for two parts of their project and I only need half as many clients because now I get them for design and construction. And yeah. so that kind of started, you know, we ended up doing things differently than everybody else in the industry, um, which really made us stand out sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, um, but it's turned out really well for us in the long run. All right, let's talk about Uni a little bit here. Uh, what's the potential here uh, uh, for for this type of thing, and uh, where do you see uh, it going in the into the future? Um, I I I mean I'm totally optimistic, of course. Um, you know, Alberta in Alberta. Um, get into like a few little fun stats here. So in Alberta, we only had last year 152 farmers markets in all of Alberta. So that's very few. And most of them only operated 26 days of the year, mm -hmm. like as an average. And on average, they had less than 30 merchants per market. Mm -hmm. So you think about how popular farmers markets are and how much Albertans love supporting local and they love supporting our Alberta farmers. Um, so much so that with that few farmers markets and few merchants being at them, 
they still had nine over nine hundred thousand or nine hundred million dollars in revenue per year. So imagine we had more people able to sell their products, yeah, like easily. And imagine it was easier for us as consumers to be able to get local products because, like, I don't know about you, but I want to buy more local products, but I'm busy, right? And I can't always get to a market on a Wednesday between five and seven, right? My kids are in activities and things like that. So I think that people want this, you know, I think that, you know, people, they want to support our neighbors and they want to eat healthier and they want better products. So I think it's timely. Okay, super. So I'm curious, running two businesses, uh, where did this entrepreneurial bug come from? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, my, I, I don't know. My parents were like very hard workers, um, but they they had a business at one point in time and it wasn't successful for them, unfortunately. Um, so I honestly never thought I would own a business. It wasn't something that was kind of pushed on us in any way. It was never in in my mind. Um, but what was in my mind, I guess, from our parents was, you know, you do what you got to do. You know, um, my mom sometimes was working three or four jobs, you know, to make ends meet. Um, you know, so I guess that part of it was just, you know, do what you have to do. But yeah. um, I don't know, I get excited doing these things. I genuinely like doing what I do. I feel like it's all I have to talk about sometimes, but it's because I I do like what I'm doing. So. Now, Nicole, uh, you and I chatted uh, on another platform uh, about your entrepreneurship, and and uh, you told me a little bit about your background. I wonder if you could share that again here with this audience. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about your background and, and your roots and how you grew up. Yeah, um, so I grew up, um, well, like I was, I think I was saying I'm, I'm an Indigenous person, so I grew up, um, I grew up on a farm outside, um, like rural Alberta. Um, so I actually grew up, you know, we didn't grow up with much. Like I, we grew up quite poor, literally had like mushrooms grow up on the carpet of our house. Um, yeah, didn't grow up with much at all. Um, but yeah, like I said, we grew up with, you know, really hardworking parents. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the part you were referring yeah, to. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, our parents did definitely teach us like a very good work ethic. Um, and, you know, we also grew up with, you know, the, the mindset of helping other people um, and kind of giving before asking, yeah. um, you know, our, our parents were always the type that were willing to offer to help other people. Um, so, you know, you know, my, both of my parents, really, they were always willing to offer to help other people. And I think that that was very much instilled in uh, myself and my brother. And yeah, I think we're both the type to do that as well. I mean, my brother also oddly is just starting a business himself as well. And, um, you know, his business is all based on gratitude and giving, and it's just very much the way that we, we've been growing, like raised, I think. I wanted to, uh, talk a little bit about a couple of things that I saw in your, in your bio and, uh, uh, and a couple of kind of notes there. And, uh, one was about how you love tackling unexpected challenges with Fearless determination. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely am a person that doesn't like, I, I mean, I don't think that I've ever had like the easy road path 
passed to me. Um, like I would have loved, loved to go into architecture for school. I mean, it would have been my dream. Um, but I mean, it just wasn't really in the cards. I didn't ever think that it was an opportunity that I would have had. You know, we didn't have the the finances. I don't think I really had anyone to really guide me to even know that, you know, loans would have been an opportunity. Like, you know, I just didn't have that, um, the, that group of people surrounding me to be able to like guide me in that way. Yeah. Um, but yet, you know, I managed to like kind of forge a path where I found a way, right? I mean, realistically, I'm, you know, I'm able to run a business where it's a multi-million dollar business running design. And yet I don't have, I'm not an architect, right? Um, but I've managed to forge partnerships with people and and do these things where, you know, I'm constantly learning and doing things. So, you know, I don't think that things are always about knowing how to do everything, but about who to talk to and and who you know and what you can learn and kind of having that open mind. Um, so instead of learning that, you know, somebody tells you no, it's not no, it's like not right now or not in this way. It's about not exactly like this at this point. So then it's like, okay, but what can I do? And what, you know, where can we go? And who can I talk to? And how can I make this work? Um, Has kind of always been my mindset. So okay, super. The other thing that I I noticed on your bio, uh, you talked it talks about successes coming from trying everything the wrong way first. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Tell me a little bit about that and uh and- Oh yes. I I love like working with other entrepreneurs and talking to them about, you know, telling them all the like wacky crazy things that I've tried the wrong way <laughs> along the way. Um, you know, from, you know, you know, some of them are just silly, right? Like trying, thinking at one point in time that I could do my own like bookkeeping and accounting, right? Like, <laughs> trust me, sometimes you can't, yeah. right? Like how many QuickBook courses I took thinking that I could do this. And you know what? I can't. And that's okay. And it's, you know, let the people that are good at doing QuickBooks do QuickBooks. And yeah. that, that's totally okay. Um, you know, at least I have enough of a foundation to kind of get the concepts and things. but. Um, you know, there's many things along the way that I feel like I did wrong. Same thing. I didn't get involved in, in knowing people soon enough and getting involved in the community, the business community early enough. I felt like I had to prove myself first and then go and get involved and get to know people. Um, because I didn't think people would want to talk to me if I didn't know what I was doing yet. Yeah. Um, and like, what a silly thing that was, right? Because the thing, the key is to get involved early because people like helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I feel like there's just so many things along the way where, um, yeah, I tried things the wrong way first. <laughs> so, Nicole, what do you think is a key personality trait for being a successful entrepreneur? Probably tenacious. I mean, you got to just be willing to just keep on, keep on trucking, keep on going, you know, take your licks for a second and you know, you can only have a minute to feel sorry for yourself and then keep going. Right. Um, and you, you gotta have a thick skin. Right. Um, I also think, I mean, there's just not one, right. Like it's really, it's really a good recipe. I, I also think that, um, something I've learned along the way is, um, being, being a little bit, and this probably won't sound very, um, like a common thing that people would say, 
but I think being a little bit raw and a little bit open, um, Mm. And that would be shocking because I think when you're a little bit raw and a little bit open and, you know, um, I've been lucky enough to meet a bunch of people that have, you know, they'll be business owners. And when you can be raw, you can say things like, oh, like there was that time when I was stressing and I didn't think I was going to make payroll or uh, there was that time when I was stressing and I didn't think I could pay this or I just thought I was really awful at this. And I think when you can be really raw and really um forthright about those things I think that you'll learn that other people will be really raw and really forthright with you and then you'll get really big learnings and it'll give you the ability to be more tenacious because you'll learn from other people and learn that it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you because everybody else has walked that same path right yeah exactly now you talked about er earlier the challenges of (coughs) excuse me dealing with a stupid flu (laughs) Uh, uh, you talking about the challenges fa- uh, faced in, in in the business world of, for being a female. Let's talk about those challenges of, of being a, a Métis and an, an Indigenous uh, individual. Uh, were there a lot of uh, challenges over your uh, uh, life's, uh, life's um, career um, uh, in being a, a, a Métis? And... Um, like as far as career-wise, I don't know that it would be like specific to just being Métis or Indigenous I mean um I mean there's definitely challenges like just on like a personal level of you know things that you know um you know with things about like different family dynamics or knowing your family or things like that um but as far as I think any um there's a lot of different people um that face diversity challenges um that just have higher barriers right um, where, you know, for instance, um, something that we've had a challenge on with Rivet for many years is, you know, people think, oh, there's programs available where, you know, for instance, the federal government has set aside programs where they have a certain amount of work that's set aside for Indigenous business. Yeah. Um, and so people are like, oh, well, you're so lucky that work is just given to you. And it's like, but it's, there's another whole, on the surface, it sounds that way. Um, but then they also don't realize that there's, we actually have higher barriers to getting financing and funding. And, and then a lot of these set aside programs require us, um, like last year we, we turned, we were asked to bid on probably over $10 million for the work that we had to say no to Mm. because they all required us to have a million dollar, um, irrevocable line of credit, which meant that we had to have a million dollars of free and clear assets just in order to bid the work, yeah. even though we could have performed it. Well, I mean, how, like most indigenous businesses, small businesses, not going to have a million dollar irrevocable line of credit. Yeah. So there's sometimes, um, even though the intention is good there to have these programs, um, I kind of equate it to having a policy and, you know, one department having a policy saying, um, we're going to make it, there for we want to make it inclusive for people to bring their kids to work and have um a you know a fun environment for kids to come to work but another department puts out a policy that says no noise allowed at work they don't speak to one another um so i mean that's kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it but there's many different groups where there's a lot of different barriers um out there um and 
I, I just feel very passionately about, you know, not just helping Indigenous, not just helping women, um, but just, you know, helping anybody with those different barriers to, you know, succeed and, and have an equal opportunity to succeed, right? Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit uh, before we sign off, uh, Nicola, about your personal life, right? Now, obviously, being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, uh, many people will tell you it's a 24-7, uh, uh, you know, uh, business. Uh, you own, uh, run two of them. Uh, you have three children. Yeah, you get any time to be on your own? Oh, yeah, I do. Definitely. I, you know, some of the different things were being a woman running a construction company, we are very different. We actually, um, we've kind of pride ourselves on being very different. So this summer, we actually trialed with all of our staff, we did four day work weeks um, with all of our staff. So we kind of feel like we're kind of on the forefront of a lot of different yeah. things like that. Um, prioritizing family. Um, I feel like we get the best staff because we do those things. So our staff might not be here as often, but we get the absolute best people here because of it. Um, so yeah, I, all summer I got, you know, three day work week or three day weekends with my family. Um, and then we just did like kind of rotating call. Um, so I like to really prioritize my family. So. Okay. So yeah. do you have any hobbies, interests, passions beyond, uh, you know, your family life, obviously, <laughs> and, and, and your work life? Yeah, I um I I love to read a lot and I'm really obsessed with watching Korean TV, <laughs> which oh. is where the name Uni came from actually for oh. uh for that business. So what does Uni mean? Um so it's a Korean word um that we don't have a direct translation for in English, but it means like kind of like that older sister who isn't like maybe a blood relation, but it's somebody you kind of look up to. Oh. Um like an older sister. Okay, yeah. super. Okay, so I got to uh, say, what do you watch on the Korean stuff? Yeah, well, actually on Netflix and stuff and like uh, Prime and all that, you can find tons of it. But um, don't make fun of me, but I love like the dramas and the romance and all those kind of things, but also some action flicks and things like that as well. So, Okay, good yeah. way, I guess, for you to re relax, I guess. Yeah, brain candy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super. Um do you think ever think that you know as i said you've got this uh entrepreneurial brain do you ever think that uh you you might come up with some other idea in the future and uh and launch they're something? always brewing <laughs> they're always brewing <laughs> yeah. absolutely i don't know if i could ever stop <laughs> all right super then anything else uh, uh nicole do you want to share before we sign off oh not that i can think of i always have a great time chatting with you mario <laughs> All right, super. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. That was uh, Nicole Matos, who is president uh, of the Rivet uh, Group of Companies and founder of Uni. Before I, I sign completely sign off, though, I I have a, a quick question. Where did the where did the name Rivet come from? Rivet. Um, I just was looking at like construction words, and a rivet is something that holds everything together. And I felt like that's kind of what a project manager does. So, yeah. That's oh, super. It's always interesting to find out where, where names of companies pop up. Thanks, Nicole, again for joining us. Thank you so much, Mario. All right. I'm Mario Taniguzzi with Edmonton's podcast on Canada's Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today.